Welcome to Talking Underwater, One Water, One Podcast. I am Katie Johns, Editor-in-Chief of Stormwater Solutions and Water Quality Products. On March 14th, the U.S. EPA held a press conference in Wilmington, North Carolina to announce the maximum contaminant levels and maximum contaminant level goals for six PFAS, including the two most prolific ones, PFOA and PFOS. U.S. EPA Administrator Michael Regan was on site to make the announcement, noting that these chemicals were not always seen through the same lens through which we now see them. What began as a so-called miracle, groundbreaking technology, meant for practicality and convenience, quickly devolved into one of the most pressing environmental and public health concerns in the modern world. These toxic chemicals are so pervasive and so long-lasting in the environment that they've been found in food, soil, and water, even in the most remote corners of our planet. Joined with me today is Jeremy Wolf, editor for the Endeavor Water Group. Jeremy viewed the entire press conference live and compiled responses, statements, and comments from water industry leaders across the country. So Jeremy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So why don't we start with an overview? What PFAS does this MCL target and what levels are required? Certainly. This proposed MCL is for six PFOS compounds, PFOA, PFOS, PFNA, PFHXS, PFBS, and HFPODA, which is more commonly referred to as Gen X. For PFOA and PFOS, the MCL, or the enforceable level, is four parts per trillion, and the MCLG, or the non-enforceable goal, is zero. With the remaining four, it gets tricky. Their detection levels are used in an equation to create what the EPA has called a hazard index. The hazard index is a unitless number that measures the sum of each compound weighed against their health-based water concentrations. If the sum from the equation equals one or less, the water quality would be compliant with this MCL. The specific calculation for the hazard index is the sum of the monitored concentration of Gen X divided by 10 parts per trillion, the concentration of PFBS divided by 2,000 parts per trillion, the monitor concentration of PFNA divided by 10 parts per trillion, and the concentration of PFHXS divided by 9 parts per trillion. The purpose of the hazard index approach is to account for any possible cumulative health effects from these four compounds. That's because even if all the compounds are below their established health-based water concentrations, there is still a chance that they could have a combined health effect that exceeds EPA standards. With this cumulative hazard index, even if all concentrations are below their health-based water concentrations, the hazard index could still be greater than one. We suspect this hazard index will result in a lot of comments from industry professionals before the final ruling. Here is Administrator Reagan speaking directly to that process during the press conference on March 14th. We're going to do what we always do, which is take comment and continue to engage the community and those who will respond to this proposal. And by the end of this year, uh, I plan to have this rule finalized so that we can put it in action as soon as possible. So several associations and organizations shared their comments and thoughts immediately following the announcement. What were some of those themes you saw in the comments? Organizations have had some mixed reactions to the announcement. On the one hand, nearly all organizations have supported the fact that these substances are finally being recognized as dangerous and regulated appropriately. 
On the other hand, however, many groups are concerned about the consequences of EPA's aggressive moves. Uh, these concerns are primarily about the cost of compliance, stress on the workforce and supply chains, and the hazard index approach itself. So let's talk about cost first. Uh, EPA has estimated that the national costs of complying to this rule for PFAS to be about $772 million annually. But the Association of Metropolitan Water Agencies, the American Water Works Association, and the Water Environment Federation have all come out to say that this estimate is far, far below the costs that they've estimated. Even with the latest funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law, there's a chance that these costs can fall on customers and could compete with other utilities' operating requirements. EPA Administrator Reagan addressed these concerns during the March 14th announcement. We have about $9 billion uh, dedicated to prioritizing uh, those water utilities and communities uh, that are on the front lines and are resource constrained the most. Uh, we recognize that that is not enough for every single water utility in the country, uh, but it's a shot in the arm. Uh, so there are, are resources for uh, water utilities. There are dedicated resources, as um, Secretary Beiser mentioned, specifically for smaller rural communities. Um, but there's also resources embedded in our budget. And you will see that as the president advocates for EPA's new budget this year, again, he's asking for more resources to continue to combat this pervasive issue. Reagan has also said that EPA aims to hold polluters responsible for these contaminants. Uh, this administration is not afraid to use its enforcement authority against companies like DuPont, Camorras, 3M. And you will see that EPA is already taking action all across the country, holding these polluters accountable. For me, it started here in North Carolina with Camorras, uh, with a relentless laser focus on holding them accountable. Uh, and that has continued under President Biden's leadership. But it's unclear exactly how, or how much, EPA's work against polluters will help water systems. There's also stress on the workforce and on supply chains. The Association of State Drinking Water Administrators noted that this requirement could bring a major shock to supply chains for advanced treatment systems, including their media, vessels, and more. With how interconnected the U.S. supply chains can be, this could have an untold number of consequences for utilities, not just those that need to lower their PFAS contaminant levels. The requirement will also bring many new requirements to an already strained workforce. Utilities with new treatment systems will likely need new staff, and these utilities will also need to dedicate significant time and resources for the training and certification of existing staff. Lastly, the hazard index approach has brought criticism from organizations like the American Chemistry Council. People are questioning whether the current science supports an approach that accounts for cumulative health effects and whether the current health-based water concentrations are appropriate when considering these suspected cumulative effects. Uh, that's why the Department uh, or the Secretary of Health and Human Services, the CDC and others are actively engaged in the pursuit of those facts that you've just laid out. Uh, we recognize that EPA has only a partial role in this journey and that every federal agency has a role to play. And so it's gonna take a whole of government approach to, to hold these companies fully accountable and to make communities like Wilmington whole. All right, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all this information with us. Um, Jeremy also has a bunch of coverage on our Water World website that we will link in the show notes where you can get some more information. And of course, we will be updating um, our websites with the um, appropriate information. So Jeremy, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So before we go, we have a little bit of housekeeping. First, the WQP um, Industry Icon and Young Pros Awards are still accepting nominations. You can nominate at wqpmag.com slash faces hyphen industry. 
um, for Wastewater Digest. Don't forget to watch the latest videos at youtube.com slash at Wastewater Digest. And while you're there, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And uh, additionally, Bob would like you all to know that he will be attending Texas Water April 12th and 13th and would love to meet any listeners at the show. So get in touch with him via social media or the podcast email. And with that, don't forget to like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can reach us at TalkingUnderwater at EndeavorB2B.com to share your thoughts. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TUW Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.